welcome everyone to another episode of the Never Seen It podcast. With us tonight, we have the brothers Calego, Mr. Alex Filipino Grigio Calego, Mr. Arnold, aka Arnie, the one man party, Mr. Justin Shibby, the zombie Holden. Of course, I am Boots Too Big hosting tonight, and we have a very special guest tonight. But before we get into that, our esteemed co-host, Mr. Anthony Girardi, cannot be here tonight. He is in Jersey City burying the body. So, with that said, the guitarist from No Age, Mr. Randy Randall, is here. And before we get into that, um, Alex, I will let you take the lead on that. Bring Randy in. What are we talking about tonight with Randy? Hey, Randy. What's up? How's it going? Glad to, glad to have you here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, I know that you're like a uh, pop culture enthusiast uh, besides being like uh, one of the the main uh, driving forces, one of the two main driving forces of No Age. Like uh, you, you definitely, your, your music is definitely like kind of more artsy, which kind of like uh, is the complete opposite of like pop culture in a sense, you know, like it's like... Um, very very like niche versus um you know where pop culture is very kind of consumable in a way but you uh-huh. seem to like have this sort of like uh, appreciation for the art of pop culture in, in general um, absolutely yeah i mean i grew up you know uh a skateboarder in the in the ie and I loved, you know, Nirvana, Sonic Youth, that kind of stuff and pavement that sort of brought my music tastes, you know, in that direction. But I also grew up, you know, um, a big movie nerd and I would go to the video store, you know, every day almost. They had a Street Fighter 2 um, stand up arcade game. I'd go play and then I just peruse the shelves and whatever, whatever, you know, cover art back then, you know, like 80s, early 90s, you know, VHS cover art would, you know, would strike my fancy. I'd, I'd rent movies. I watched tons of movies as a kid. And then um, and continued to do so. I, I went to college and studied film and then worked at all these uh, art house movie theaters and up until my last job being at Amoeba working with the, on nice. the DVD section. So I've been I've worked at yeah, video stores. And it's like you, you get the kind of call where they would say, you know, I'm thinking of this like like really old movie, you know, like a classic movie. And I'm like, oh, you know, Casablanca or you know, Bridge on a River Kauai. Like, no, no, no. It's got an uh, ice cube in it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, Friday? Yeah, that's the one. so i've been able to kind of yeah use use my movie knowledge but yeah with the band i mostly you know we're just we make music and and uh, my films you know studies and film nerdness just gets uh taken out of my wife and kids so i'm sure they're happy (laughs) well speaking of your uh your your what your time with your wife and kids like i i we i saw that you went to star wars celebration with your son for the first time how was that it was a it was a uh it was a failure (laughs) of of Uh. all of epic proportions. I'm a big Star Wars nerd. And um, my son, my eight-year-old son, could really take it or leave it. I hyped him up on it, though. This was like end of second grade for him. We're going into summer. We got we got a room at the Great Wolf Lodge down in Anaheim where they have the water park. So he was really stoked on that. And I think everything after the water park was just a letdown. So we got all dressed up. He was Luke from Tatooine, you know, the oh, first farm boy, you know, kind of outfit. And I had a really janky kind of, you know, Halloween Darth Vader costume on. And you know, <laughs> in about 10 minutes in, I just think he wasn't up for a big crowd of, of adult weirdos walking around. He just How old is he? He's eight. Oh, okay, okay. And because he wasn't familiar with the subject of Star Wars and he knew it was something I liked, I think he was just turned off pretty pretty quick. So was we only got like a, um, 
taking uh like, almost like taking you there <laughs> yeah exactly right he's like i'll wait for you in the car he went out and had a cigarette <laughs> fuck <laughs> Yeah. Well, we tried, but I made him take one more picture and he just looks absolutely miserable. And I took a big picture out in front of it. And I just said, it's not worth torturing my kid, you know, for this sort of stuff. But next year or next celebration, I'll be going alone, getting my own yeah. room. And is staying. he into pop culture at all? Like he is, he is, you know how it is. It's, but he has to rebel against dad. He likes, um, he likes Roblox, Minecraft, um, you know, uh, yeah, like a plethora of things. Um, but you know, not what, like what most kids are into right now. Exactly. Yeah. Very. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're if you're a kid in the in the 2020s, these are the things you're into. Mm. Yeah, you might be more interested in like a a general convention, kind of like going to say like WonderCon or Comic Con. That might be the yeah. We went Disneyland. to Disneyland. Yeah, we went there. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we did Disneyland and yeah we went to BrickCon, like the Lego convention. Oh, that's cool. You know, the convention center that was really nice. fun. Um, he likes what? What does he get? Oh, like Super Smash Bros. We got him a Switch during the lockdown. What does he mean? He's got Luigi three just finished that. He's on to Odyssey, kind of getting a little burned out on that. And then Super Smash Bros was the latest one. It's all about that Animal Crossing, man. All yeah. about that Animal Crossing. Yeah, he hasn't taken to it. Almost, he has that aversion. He's like, it almost, you know, like if, if anything's too cutesy or kawaii, you know, he's the girls in his class. <laughs> So he has, a, he has, he's like, oh, it doesn't read very masculine, you know, eight-year-old masculine, you know, the version right. he wants to be. So yeah, he's, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he doesn't play Kirby on Super Smash, so I don't know. Could yeah. work. My kid's weird. He wants to read Ayn Rand. I don't know why. Something wrong with him. Probably we did Pirates of the Caribbean, the Johnny Depp, you know, films. He's got into that just, just like within a month. So anyway, it's. We'll see. I'll, I'll get to him eventually. I'll get him. Like, my wife always made fun of me because when, once she moved in, we got, I basically, I took her to Randy Randall Film Academy. You know, like I would just, I had a, I still have a huge collection of DVDs and I would just pick out like, have you ever seen The Graduate? I'm like, no, okay, we got to watch that. You know, I kind of just did my essential. <laughs> we're not all like the AFI top 100, you know, I have like, I think, for example, I think um, Happy Gilmore is one of the most perfect like scripts <laughs> if you're trying to understand like script writing and causality you know and one event causing the next i think happy gilmore is awesome for that because it's so that simple and you see all the nuts and bolts and it's and it's fun, still fun and enjoyable yeah i can get down with that i can get down with some happy gilmore for sure yeah yeah those the early adam sandler days are my favorite days mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you just if you want to see, you know, I just think for like certain themes of like film studies, like if you're trying to look for certain things, some films really demonstrate them well, you know. So well, yeah, you're on so, the perfect um, podcast for that. So welcome. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you. I'm stoked. Yeah. So uh, what is the reason why you chose one from the heart? Oh, God. Okay. Well, <laughs> this, you know, like like everybody here, you know, I'm sure there's, there's the, the whole point of this podcast, right? If stuff comes across your radar and you kind of go, I don't know about that one. And, you know, and you put off watching it and, you know, maybe you'll see it. It'll come up maybe a second or third time and you're always kind of go, I don't know. Right. That's how things make your never seen. You know, Absolutely. Because you always go, eh, what about something else? And so this one, I, I'm a Tom Waits fan. And I remember, you know, researching Tom Waits discography and seeing also a Francis Ford Coppola fan. I mean, you know, the, 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 did you guys, did anybody watch the preview for this film? I watched the one on IMDb, which is like the the opening scene where she's in the, she's putting up the storefront stuff. Oh, okay, There's that was the, the whole trailer. 
Oh, know. no, that's good. The one I watched was like from the director of The Godfather. And yeah, now comes that's the one I watched. One from the heart. You're like, oh, God, just set that, up. That would have got me. How do you, yeah, right. How do you how, how are you supposed to succeed, to, you know, surpass those films? So. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I had heard about this film and I'd heard it was a it was a big studio blowout. They spent too much, way too much money. And somehow Tom Waits did all the music. I almost thought Tom Waits was in the film. Like I kind of had read interviews or I'd, read, I'd seen it referenced. I caught little snippets of it, but was never intrigued enough to watch it. So when Alex hit me up about, you know, never seen pod, you know, a film I'd never, I'd never seen. This was sort of somewhere in the miasma, the sort of plasma brain of like, I remember hearing about this movie where there was a Tom Waits and Francis Ford Coppola collaboration then it was a nightmare it was a disaster it's like i wonder what that would be like if i had had to watch if i had to pick something that's where my brain went so that's why i'm glad you did because i i'd never seen or heard of this movie same nothing about it i got i i don't know much about coppola's filmography outside of apocalypse now godfather one two three and that strange movie he did with robin williams in the 90s which i can't remember the title of right now jack jack that's it that's that's what he grows in Revert? No, he he no. hyper he ages, one? right? Yeah, that was for yeah. The- he ages wow. significantly. You should call that one not one, from the, one from the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, hearing sorry. stories about that that um, Robin Williams was so coked out that like they would he would walk. I talked to some, you know, just being in LA, you meet people over the years and talking to somebody who'd worked on that film and they just said yeah at the end of the day he was so wound up that he, everybody else would go on a bus you know whatever it was a 20 minute <laughs> ride back to base camp and he would just run be like, be that's like, hilarious everyone's after working a whole day was just so like buzzed out of his head he would just that, that tracks with robin williams's personality and what we knew of him yeah for sure i'm not surprised he did do a lot of drugs back in the day <laughs> so, sorry what, what were you guys what did you guys say earlier tokography Tok- filmography oh took <laughs> Did you say tokography? Or? No, we're not talking about your IMDb list, Arnold. Oh. <laughs> tokography. There's a bunch of weed films. About exactly. toping it up. So <laughs> do we want to get into it? Do you want to talk about this movie? And I really want I, – I, this is a really good uh, – I'm excited to talk about this movie because, I, I, like I said, I've never seen it. Um, but I will read you the logline really quick, that I, the, the approved logline uh, that I found on Letterboxd. Uh, after a five-year relationship, lustful and dreamy, Franny leaves down to earth Hank on the anniversary of their relationship. Each one of them meets their dream mate, but as bright as they might seem, they're but a stage of lights and colors. Will true love prevail over a seemingly glamorous passion? Welcome to Coppola's Broadway-like romantic musical. So it's called a musical. Randy, what do you think about that? Because it definitely has, it's a very music-centric film, but I don't know if I would necessarily call it a musical. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it de- it felt like a stage play, like the lighting, the sets. I feel it felt like they were filming a play, yeah. right? More so than than a, a real world cinematic, you know, um, telling. You know, I think something like like you know, The Godfather. You're never aware of the scenery necessarily. You know, everything fits and tracks with the characters. Yeah, with this film, every every scene, every set, every time they change into a new location, you all you see is the location. You forget the actors are there. You're looking at the lights and there's big, and there's big performative kind of light changes. Like when she, in the very beginning, she like takes her underwear off and throws them at the lamp and everything, all the other lights go off except the spotlight where the lamp is and the underwear. It's very like sage play. Like that's the kind of way you would light. You would be a lighting cue if you were to see a live 
play on stage. Absolutely. And, I and, love the production design of this movie. I loved insane. the way, how dynamic the sets were and how they transitioned from one scene to the other. Yeah. And I, I love the lighting. I mean, I'm not a Vegas guy. I don't gamble. I don't party. But they yeah. really captured that the, the ambiance of Las Vegas, bright neon lights. And, and, and that whole thing was just like I was the whole movie. I was like the lighting. I was just like going gorgeous. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing lighting. I want to say really quick. Did you guys catch now? Maybe I'm crazy, but there, that first scene where he meets where um I forget the main character's name, the, the male character, he meets the girl for the first time. And she's like that big neon face, and then she transitions to her face, and she's like lit blue and pink. Oh, yeah. I feel like Blade Runner twenty forty nine directly lifted it from 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 that from that scene in this movie. Oh, Did you guys from the catch very, that very beginning. Yeah, 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 like yeah. remember in Blade Runner twenty forty nine when he's he sees uh, yeah. uh, Joy in the big neon uh, virtual billboard oh, yeah. thing. I was the like, that was you talking about the circus girl, right? The, the, the yeah, the girl. yeah, like the framing Lila. of Lila's it and the, the colors. Girl were were seemed like they were borrowed heavily from from this film yeah i mean i feel like i you know i was researching it a little bit um and it was this was came out in 1982 and i feel like it really like ratcheted up and predicted almost like late 80s early 90s or even mid 90s like mtv you know what i mean i think there was a lot of like a lot of influence that this thing had years and years later maybe it was you know slightly ahead of its time Definitely. yeah for me it felt yeah. very like music video-ish mm-hmm yeah, it it looked gorgeous. I mean, that's the thing. Every scene is like painted, you know, you know, like yeah. the, the sets. It looks like, a, you know, made in a huge warehouse or huge soundstage. And, and the, the it, I read Roger Ebert's review of it also just to kind of get a sense of like, well, what did people say about it at the time? And I think similar to the this film that's out now, Don't Worry Baby. Is that right? Or Don't Worry Darling? Don't yeah. Worry Darling. Yeah. And it's just Something got like so much hype and the controversy about the making of it, you know, that it's like you almost want to see it to see it fail, right? You're like, how, right. like, what is this all about? And so I think this film sort of had a similar baggage because it was blown. I think the, during the production, everybody wanted to see Francis Ford Coppola fail and he was just spending too much money and he was, you know, doing, doing, going too big. And I think especially after the Godfather and apocalypse now, everybody was waiting to see him kind of crash and burn. That's so weird. Like to think that considering he he's made two of the biggest cinematic movies in history, three, actually, if you count the Godfather one and two and apocalypse now, and then to think like, Oh, his next movie is going to be a flop. What is this? What is this romantic musical thing? Blah, blah. I don't know. I, I find that so strange that they were trying to see him fail from the get-go. But um, it is interesting. That's, that, that's kind of a expected, though, of, like, people, like, when, when people become successes, they're, like, just waiting for the shoe to drop, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you build them up to tear them down, right? That's what, you know, the kind of culture loves to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, it's yeah. interesting, this many years later, coming to the film, not really knowing that, like, I didn't research it before. I just started watching it cold. And it was like, this is amazing. This is great. It feels like a very cool art film and kind of a experimental stage play that was put on to screen. Um, and especially now, and I think it's part of, I mean, not to be a, not to be a Debbie downer, but I just think so many movies now are like really hard to watch. I mean, you know, I think we, the, a lot of bad stuff just gets, I, I watch a lot of bad stuff and just kind of go, well, that's what's coming out. You know, I'm not going to not watch new movies, but a lot, you know, a lot of the blockbuster stuff, I, you know, there's not a lot of room for the smaller films 
you know, especially, you know, on big releases. So I thought it was like, this, this tracks really well. This is far more interesting than the last like four, you know, like a, you know, like a Jurassic Park or whatever, you know, these like big, big blockbuster films. I mean, I watch all of them because I'm a fan. I'm a Marvel fan. I love, you know, I love big, dumb comic book movies, but it's like, it was fun to kind of see. I was like, they're doing something here and, and reading the reviews where they're like, you know, that the actors aren't even acting and the writing's terrible. I was like, <laughs> oh, <no>, man. <laughs> I, I think it all makes sense for what, what what they were trying to do. Like, they weren't making a serious dramatic movie. They were making a, a, a whimsical, romantic, music-centric film. Like, that's exactly what they were going for. And I think uh, they accomplished that, you know? So it's so yeah. funny how people were like, like, well, what we were expecting. I mean, if anything, it shows, like, how versatile Coppola is. Like, he did a, a big, epic Vietnam War movie. He did a, a, a big gangster family crime, uh, crime drama movie, excuse me. Yeah. And then he did this. It's like, that, show, that just shows you how talented he, Coppola is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, did you have you guys seen uh, the Dracula film that he did in the, the early nineties? I never Lee? saw that. I never saw oh, that. Oh man, put that on the list if you guys are you know if you guys are looking for lists of stuff. So he did that one, and that was kind of a bit of a comeback for him in the early nineties. I remember I saw it when it came out. I was in junior high, and that has so many weird effects. And I feel like I want to watch it again because he does a lot of in camera editing, similar to what he does in this film, where there'll be you know the, um, someone's on the screen behind him, or it's rear projection or puppets or shadow things like. There's a lot of cool, almost like harkening back to like silent film sort of in-camera techniques, you know, that I think him being a, you know, a fan of, of cinema and especially, you know, his historical cinema things that he's, he was trying to update that, the look of, and use, you know, kind of similar older techniques in a new modern setting. And I think, I think he was kind of, it, reminded, it seemed like this was the, the, some of the, some of the footwork, some of the experimentation he did here would pay off there later in the, in the Dracula nineties. Definitely. And I, I'm so impressed by the fact that they shot it all in. It's the, it's the first and only movie to ever be shot at Zoetrope studios. Cause they, they went bankrupt after this movie, unfortunately, but wow. they even brought in like the plane. I read there was a decommissioned plane. At least the first, the, the upper half of the plane was they actually brought into the studio to use as a prop. And I was like, that's so like they built the airport for crying out loud in the soundstage. Like that, that's just so amazing to me. Like how much of the, I mean, literally everything was shot in wow. the soundstage. Like, I, that's so uh, cool. I wanted to, uh, I was going to appreciate that stuff as well. Uh, I, I loved the set designs in this film. Actually, I love, and like you were saying earlier, Adrian, um, the transitions, the effects, the overlays and everything was beautifully done. Surprisingly yeah. enough, I, I felt like this was a pretty well put together, uh, movie. And then uh, finding out when I was doing research after the movie, um, finding out that none of this took place outside except maybe yeah. the, uh, the uh, Taj Mahal, junkyard scene type of things um that was surprising too because even then if it was outside there was still like a backdrop in the back covering everything else anyway so yeah i thought that was really impressive but i think the the key moment that kind of like reeled me in was honestly the opening credit scenes with all those like miniatures of um old vegas signs and oh yeah, yeah. as credits and things like that i was yeah. like wow that's actually that was, very impressive oh. nowadays they would do that all on cgi but they built yeah, it but- that, that was my big question. I, I thought that was CGI for some no, reason. I was, like, no, no. I was like the early day CGI, but that's actual models. They had to like I read I read on IMDb. It says like the guy that made it had to specific special make uh, smaller tubes to do the neon lights and stuff. Like you couldn't use 
traditional neon tubes because they're too big for the 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 size yeah. that they were going for. They they had to special make like thinner neon tubes to to make that work. And and they pulled I it think off. the only special effects that I noticed because um I actually didn't know I just kind of sort of called it i was like oh these look like miniatures that's great i think the only special effects to the opening credits was literally just the text credits uh but whoever did the text credits even for that time was that was like super impressive too i was i was actually thoroughly impressed about that whole intro uh opening credits thing definitely pushing the envelope i thought you were gonna mention all the boobies at the beginning (laughs) (laughs) yes those two man there were some breasts <laughs> abound in this film and through certain parts. I'm not sure what this film is rated, but but I think it was before the PG-13 was created, so mm. it's probably it was, rated PG. One thing, I, I, one little detail that I, I really enjoyed is there's this scene where she, after she goes to the back to the house to get her red dress, and then she w- goes outside and walks down the street, and it's like a long shot. And like, obviously, like, yeah, like we, we know it's in a soundstage, but like they sold, they sell it by having fireworks in the background in the sky. So it's like, or even like, so good. if you also notice like the city lights flicker as well, like for like the backdrop scenes, like you could totally tell that there's that cutoff point. I'm like, oh, okay. That totally looks like a, a flat wall that's painted, but yeah. they, the extra details are like they added real Oh, at least what I thought were real lights flickering about in the background of that uh, backdrop, which was pretty cool too. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, I wanted to bring up uh, Harry Dean Stanton, his friend Mo. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was getting heavy Kramer vibes. I, I I was getting that too, as well as the the big the Afro guy and and Goodfellas. Remember he walks in with his wife, and then that's a. I can't remember his name and he's in Goodfellas. Like he, oh, he only he, speaks Italian in Goodfellas and then he gets shot him and his wife. Oh later. yeah. I, you know what vibes I was that guy. You guys ever watch um Three's Company? Yes, Larry. Larry. <laughs> That's the vibe I got. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well I have to well speaking of actors, I have to say this is the first movie I've seen with Raul Julia outside of the uh Adam's family. Know, Adam's family. Thank you. Yeah. That's this is the first time I've ever seen him outside of the Adam's family. I'm like, oh, that's right. He did more than just those two Adam's about Street Fighter. <laughs> I never saw Street Fighter. <laughs> Podcast um, episode. There we go. <laughs> but it, it was an there it was go. a pleasant surprise seeing him. I'm like, holy shit, he's not playing. He's not playing the the Adam's family dad anymore. He's yeah, playing. He's like so a, good though, right? Like I love how. Great. how it, yeah, him and Natasha Kinski, both, you know, like the romantic, the new partners, it was like, they're so built up into what you think, like, oh, man, they're perfect. And then he's the waiter, not the singer. And she's, yeah. you know, she's just kind of otherworldly. I love when she kept saying, like, like, you know, how do you make a circus, you know, actor disappear? It's like spit. They just sizzle away. Like spit yeah. on a griddle. Spit on and a just like that, she's gone. I thought that was yeah. such a funny little scene towards or, the end. I didn't understand why he turned. Maybe I wasn't paying attention or I didn't, but why did Hank suddenly want Franny back? Like what happened? Was there? Yeah. That I was took it as connect for the, for the, the movie. I did, I did at the end I was like, but there's no real reason for it to hurt him. Maybe it was just like regret or jealousy. He got jealous. Like, but they didn't jealousy? show it. Right. They didn't. Did, he's like remembering he saw her with some other guy or what? It was, I like, mean, it was almost like he was having a tantrum the whole time and yeah. he mm. just wasn't getting his way. He's like, Oh, he could like at the beginning, he's like, Oh, I can deal without you. You know, I can find my own way without you. And then yeah. he's like, okay, uh, maybe I can't. So I'm going to have a tantrum about it. The whole rest of the so time. I, I took it as he was like, he was regretting 
the whole throughout the whole movie it seems like he's he's trying to move on but then he realizes that he's kidding himself he really still wants franny back i mean i thought that was kind of cemented in that scene where he goes to the hotel and drops through the roof and oh my god right like i I thought that was like like a lot of their choices both franny and hank their their choices to go with these other people were just done out of spite at originally it's not really for any sort of like they're like because if you do, you see at the very beginning of when they run into each other for the first time on that Vegas scene, yeah. they just kind of look at each other and it's almost like, hey, I'm with somebody else now. And it's almost like they're, they're both doing it out of spite rather than any sort of like real, you know, but then when they see they don't actually I think maybe what uh, change the change that happens with Hank actually is more due to like him waking up, realizing that Franny isn't next to him and he wakes up and he realizes i'm i gotta find out where she is where i gotta find out it's kind of like one of those things like sometimes you know with people it's just more of an internal struggle which i think i i feel like they did well in certain parts of the film where the 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 internal struggle the confusion was palpable Mm -hmm. but at the same time it was is still not enough to feed you that was that's what was going on internally for them yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, that's I, that's kind of what I was getting from was hit from his character. Like it seemed like she wanted to move on. She was she was more swayed to moving on than he was. But in the end, it was him that that realized that you know he didn't want to lose her after all. And mm-hmm. I, I is it just me or did this movie invent the whole rushing to the airport trope before she gets on oh a plane God. to leave? Like that was so good. <laughs> I don't know. And, and uh, to think, I thought it was Home Alone that did that. Yeah, for <laughs> real, though. Oh, yeah. Just cue, cue that music, and I'm, it would make perfect sense. Uh, yeah. I, have any of you guys seen Paris, Texas? It was a, it's a Vim Vendors film that came out in the early 80s. That's one I've oh. been wanting to watch. Yeah. Never heard of it. I haven't seen that too. Actually, Alex told me about that. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but... <laughs> I don't know. It was a Paris in Texas. You're right. No, it's uh, not Paris Hilton. Uh, <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton, the guy that plays Mo, and Natasha Kinski, who plays the circus performer, they're they're the main leads in that one. So I thought it was kind of interesting as I was watching it. I think it was I think it was a few years later after this film, but I was like, ooh, this is like a Paris, Texas prequel, almost in a weird way. One thing I learned is that like Harry, Harry Dean Stanton was like always old because every time I see him in yeah. something, he's always like old. And even in this movie, which came out in '82, he looks. Like he's pushing fifty already. Like, I don't know. I thought Harry that was... Dean Stanton is Hank. No, no, no that's oh, Mo. that's Mo. Mo, right? Right. Mo, yeah. yeah, yeah. He did look super old. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah man, it was it, yeah, it was so. Uh, I, there was oh, you know, I was thinking of like getting back to the idea of it being ahead of its time. I was almost thinking of like Moulin Rouge, like when she does the dance in the junkyard and she's got that corset on. And then, or even, you know, it's like the Baz Luhrmann kind of, because I feel like other people have done this style of thing of this like hyper real exaggerated stage musical, almost like a La La Land or, or, you know, I was going to say, yeah, I've never seen La La Land. Is that, is that like this sort of, or or do they sing and dance in that? Or is it just music? Yeah. I feel like La La Land is definitely more of a musical. I would say this is more of like, like uh, Randy was saying earlier, more like a stage dance type of show, like something you'd go yeah. watch a play. There's music in it, like uh, in a way. Actually, uh, going back to like Tom Waits and the music in the movie, I feel like um, even though I don't think it's necessarily a musical, I feel like the music, the jazz that 
is used in this movie is more of a narration tool more than anything. I, I agree with yeah, you. Uh, that makes sense. That almost sounds uh, like the lyrics are the, the way he's saying what they're doing, right. Or what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I feel, I feel mm. like the, uh, it was definitely more of a Broadway, uh, performance but it still lent itself well to uh, aspects of musical like um yeah. it, it definitely uh leaned on like the songs giving some sort of uh, uh idea of what the story is uh where the where the where the story is going you know mm-hmm. um i i feel like that's a like it's a pretty smart move to do it in that way if, if you're gonna be doing it, it it's a pretty small cast like, yeah what, what like five six people uh, as like a main 10 people in the room yeah yeah oh and you know this movie moves fast like a like a broadway musical i mean the the first five minutes like oh i love you baby i love you oh i hate you oh, i hate you too get out of my life and like just like whoa that escalated yeah. quickly there bro and then i yeah. realized oh that's the tone they're going gotcha gotcha okay <laughs> at the end yeah, when, quick when snappy Ralph Julia asked her, like, when did you guys break up? And she's like, the day before yesterday or something. I'm like, oh, wait, this whole movie is taking place in two days? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have I didn't know that until she said it right at the end. I was like, oh, okay. I like how when she's getting on the plane, she's like, you need a passport. I'll get a passport. How do you get a passport? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? what? <laughs> Those good old pre-9-11 days when you could walk on. I know. <laughs> I was going to say when you, you could, could walk, like, walk up to the gate back, back then. Yeah, it's like rush, I, rush the I, gate. I wasn't feeling the tension. I was like, well, he's going to get stopped by TSA. He's not going to be able to go all the way to the plane. Like, she already got away. She was past security. But I was like, oh, right, no. This is, there's more tension to it. Uh, now, let me ask you guys this really quick because um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. Um, we were talking about how they say that, like, when things are good, like, economically and stuff, and, like, there's no wars and shit going on, movies tend to be about, like, oh, like, uh life is too good it's so boring though and this and that but when things are bad the movies are more positive now this came out in the 80s 82 which was like during the reagan era during the cold war still like would you guys say that was kind of a dark moment in u.s history and that's why this movie was so bright and musical Mm. and happy or i've heard that theory before Uh, and they they said they said that about the beginning of like when star wars came out you know Uh Uh, during the time it was like a kind of a darker period uh, when star wars was just being conceived of and everything and so you know they during that time a lot of the films reflected um because of vietnam right yeah vietnam but then you know it there was a shift in in tone where where, like they wanted to have something give hope you know and that's the whole push and pull of like i think um um culture and media like uh, we are all looking for uh, like right now, if you look at what, how, how things are today, a lot of people are looking for escape in a way like they, they look towards the Marvel movies, you know, they look mm-hmm. towards, you know, you know, like if you notice the trend of like a lot of music right now, it's very t- much towards like, uh, you know, dancey vibe type stuff. But I think the, the, the thing is that se- that's starting to settle in is like, no, the reality is still there and we can't so a lot of like stuff that's uh happening right now even though it has like this kind of happy or you know like escapist kind of tone there is still this under underlying underlying um sense of just like well there's still stuff bad stuff going on and there people are really willing to talk about that these days yeah because i just think about like the late night now speaking of pre-9-11 like you know american beauty right 
this guy has his existential dread living in this suburban life, you know, fight club, you know, like all being against the man and stuff and, and all in whatnot. And like that period of time was, you know, relatively peaceful. There were no major wars going on. You know, there was a good econ- the economy was good. So I don't know. It, it, it kind of tracks a, a little bit, you know, just a whole lot of Coke and crack. I was going to say that um, <laughs> the, most people, I mean, that was an interesting ob- observation and, you know, point that you brought up. When you first asked that question, I, I thought, "Huh, well, most people who are high on coke and crack, they're usually pretty happy." Right. Um, and so, I don't know. Uh, and d- didn't the crack uh, epidemic start under Reagan in the eighties, or was that or was that Nixon? I believe I can't remember. I don't One know. of the two. I was born <laughs> well, in eighty three. I, yeah. I would almost say that like this movie didn't hit it right because it was such a big failure. You know what I mean? That people wanted the darker kind of tones, and especially from someone who made Godfather. Mm lips now yeah. nobody wanted to see him have a have a romantic broadway musical you know shot in hyper colors i could see that yeah it, it's almost like he he sort of set himself up to like for to have certain expectations of what kind of stories he was going to tell right because like scorsese's always done crime th- drama movies and you know right. coppola did apocalypse now which is a war drama and then he did a crime drama and then then he did this and it's like like what are you what like what are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, well, I think Scorsese did, did a did a musical with Robert De Niro, nineteen hundred, that I haven't seen. It would be another good one to put on the haven't seen list. Oh. I feel like these two films are almost like you could play them as a double feature, you know, of sort of these yeah. these serious <laughs> Italian American filmmakers that wanted to do the the big feel good funny film. Yeah, like they they're, they're, they're spiritual sequels in a way. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, even Spielberg is now, you know, what he what did he do? He he remade West Side Story earlier, but but yeah. he's like in the latter part of his career, so he's like in the I'm going to do whatever I want now part of his career. You know, you know who I think has the best fuck it I can do anything like director career is Billy Wilder. I don't know how how you guys do with like classic films, but he did uh, like noir, a double indemnity kind of classic noir film. And I've heard he of did, those. And then he's and he's did uh, the apartment, which is a great Shirley MacLaine film with Jack, Jack Lemmon. He's if you're look, you know, for I think a, a director who could oh. really do anything and do it really well and make some of the most like genre defining films, you know. Yeah, on I uh, I love some like it hot. Honestly, yeah, I feel hot. like that's a really good great. movie. That's great. Yeah, he also did Sunset movie. Boulevard, which is also a good movie. Yeah, I'm forgetting the big ones. Yeah, but no, he's amazing. He's like yeah. has such a wide variety, and, and and you know you almost kind of go, well, how can you have a signature style and all of these things? And that was sort of his thing. You know, it's he didn't it was his his style was being good. <laughs> he made good films. Man, yeah. I hadn't heard of any of those movies. Yeah, <laughs> some I like mean, it hot is like a classic black and like you know comedy with the Jack Jack Lem- Jack Lemon. Yeah. Jack Lem- Tony and Curtis. Marilyn Monroe. Tony Curtis. Curtis. And Marilyn Monroe, yeah. And like the very last scene, because they, they dress like women or whatever, and then like Jack Lemon gets in the boat with the rich guy and he takes off his wig and he's like, I'm a man. And he's like, Well, nobody's perfect. And then it just ends like that. Like it's <laughs> such a great it's so funny and it's so perfect, you know, for that for that yeah. movie. It was like bosom buddies like twenty years before. <laughs> Honestly, that's usually a movie I tell people to go to if they aren't like uh, familiar with black and white comedies i've been oh. like go watch some like it hot you're gonna love it that'll get you jump started into everything else yeah it's so true i i would i always say like his girl friday is a great kind of film that's a good one 
you know, it's it just they don't make films like that anymore. Like the dialogue, yeah. it has the classic kind of like, well, what do you say? Hey, what do you know? What do you got? Where do you go? Oh, man, I go here. Hang, bang, 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 boom. And, and like, you never know if people, it was almost like they were talking like they're on radio. You know, I mean, it was it's, it's real snappy paced dialogue. But the jokes are so, are so like um, fine and sharp. Like they're cutting each other with each line, but they're saying it with such a patter that if you're not really listening to it, you don't you miss the joke or how rude they're being to each other, or how they're like cutting each other. And there's a there's a whole almost it's almost becomes you know not like not intellectually like Shakespeare, but in the thing of like you have to follow the pattern, you have to kind of get into. And I think that's a lot. You know, black and white's one thing that turns people off, but then there's also the speaking sort of tone. You know, I think that'll that is hard to listen to, but if you can get into it, the His Girl Friday so fun i feel like uh black and white films just in general are just an acquired kind of taste because when i was in college i was a part of uh, a film class and uh, my my teacher would introduce us to all kinds of different black and white films and and now i was been like a fan of like charlie chaplin silent films and things like that and a lot of people it's it's hard for a lot of people to get into things like that it's acquired taste i would suppose you know what's interesting? Uh, I I just watched uh, Clerks three, and uh, it was oh that it came was out dirty. already. Yeah, it's already it. out. Um, I, I was gonna I'm gonna be doing a review for our quickie reviews. If you guys aren't following, you should uh, follow us on all our social medias. You should uh, we, at we Never a, Seen a Podcast exactly. But um, uh, there so there's a, so they had some commentary because it, it was a Fathom event, right? And at the end, they had some commentary during the credits, and it was Kevin Smith talking because he loves to talk, but um. <laughs> He, uh, but the cool thing he he said about um, you know Clerks three versus like the other the previous uh, two, especially part one, he goes like you know I I filmed uh, Clerks one in black and white out of necessity, but yeah. uh, the the great thing about being able to go back and actually film Clerks three and in the actual uh, quick quick stop, he said that. I, you guys get to actually see everything how I envision it in, in my head. You see everything in color, you know, everything's there. And, you know, that's one of the things too, that's like, when you think about like uh, color versus black and white, it's like, you have to, there's a little bit more imagination when it comes to black and white. You have to kind of envision that world in your world, even though you're still seeing all the images, it's still important to like, uh, paint the image in your own head you know yeah whereas like when it comes to uh modern film today everything and being in color you, that there's less uh imagining that you have to do yeah i i, I can definitely see that black black and white is definitely a mood as the kids say, but even, even movies and shows shot in color, like Ozark, for example, Ozark is in, is in color, but it's like got a serious blue tint on it. You know, it's like, it's the, it's the feel. Very gray, for. very blue, very gray and blue. Yeah. And like, you know, and David Fincher, uh, I saw just a quick thing. Uh, he did an interview where they asked him like, why do you always have like a green, greenish yellowish tint on your movies? And he's like, well, nobody else does that. Everybody goes for either like a bluish or an amber look. And so I'm going for green and yellow because it, it, it's more distinctive of, of the kind of, you know, mood mm. I'm going. For. I like the dynamic color uh, of those shows and movies like like this movie in particular. Yeah. I loved the stage lighting. The, the oh, yeah. Gold, it was red amazing. Green. I was like, wow, man, like I don't know, everything about the set design was super impressive. It was amazing. I I loved, I loved it. It. Yeah, I love the set design. It, 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 it really sparked my interest in like 
not just like uh, Broadway, but also in in terms of Vegas, um, where, where it was back then. Yeah, how it is to uh, like years from back then, and even how it is today. And what, what was what's cool about like having this much time pass, um, you you kind of already have this modern image of like Vegas, where it used to be like this sort of like classic Vegas, and then it became this sort of weird period of time where it was like almost like a theme park. Every single mo- every single Vegas casino had to have some sort of like almost pirates of the caribbean ish theme <laughs> vegas know? vacation had, is a good example yeah and well, i like that movie kind of moved <laughs> past that and kind of embraced classic vegas again with a much more t- a touch of a of modern type yeah. stuff going on this and is not scorsese's like, like casino vegas aesthetic this is coppola's like bright colorful you know vegas aesthetic and it, it he pulled it off so well like just so well, you know. I, I just loved it. I loved all the colors. It, I don't know. I don't know what it is, is about colors, it, you know. <laughs> is Stardust still around? Stardust? I don't think so. No, uh, that one's gone. Did they did they t- tear that down and make make it into the uh, what is that the world the, uh, resort world? Yeah, possibly. Oh. We'll we'll have our research department look into it, Arnold. Um, <laughs> do we want to get into our our final thoughts and and and, and social plugs on this movie, uh, or, or anything sure. else? All right, cool. Let's start. I'll start from the bottom of my list up. Uh, Arnold, let's start with you, my friend. What are your final oh. thoughts on this movie, and where can the good people find you? Well, um, there was there was a few thoughts. I'll try and regather them. I was going to try and mention them earlier. Uh, the la- last one was, oh, if I were to make a film, you know how this has a little bit of a, um, how you guys were talking about oh, a yellow tint or a blue tint. I would, yeah. if I did a film, I would, I would do a purple tint. Just, <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Um, You're like the Mace Windu of cinematographers. Mace who? Like Mace from. <laughs> He's from, a dead uh, guy. He's got a purple lightsaber. It's a whole thing. Oh, I thought you were talking about like the one who ran with Puff Daddy and stuff. <laughs> Mace? No, I never heard uh, of that guy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, this movie, I do like how it felt like I was watching um, a, a theater, like a like a show at the theater. Um, yeah. Felt like all that Palm Springs High School theater or, or the McCallum Theater. Well, those are uh, I don't know. Kind kind of had that feeling, but. Well, Palm um, Springs High School is prestigious in the theater community for sure. <laughs> yes, they, they've got a beautiful theater there. Um, Just ignore all the gang signs on the walls. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, um, my what are, what are the, what are the thoughts? Uh, uh, okay, so um, uh, my Z rating. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you, what's your Z rating on this bad My movie? Z rating, Randy. Randy, uh, I have a Z rating, so the more <laughs> Zs that I have, that, that means that um, I fell asleep. Actually, what it really means is Arnold is on a three-dimensional plane when he's like on the right amount of drugs. Got <laughs> On the Z axis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Arnold. I, I, I had uh, I, I'd say I, I get about a, a, a two Z rating because there was um, – Maybe about there was two times where my wife um, woke me up and was like, "Come on, wake, keep your keep your eyes open." And there was like th- two or three times where I was really struggling to keep my eyes open. Um, but uh, so uh, I, I thought it was just maybe me. But then, you know, when when we're talking about like, oh, how horrible this movie, how was it horrible or or not? Um, yeah. I, I didn't feel that bad anymore. So. Um, <laughs> I I uh I, I don't know uh, it, it, this 
generally just not my cup of tea. Uh, a little, a little too slow for me. Um, you guys know my my taste for movies is a lot different from. I now, think if someone else. had been doing some karate chops, would you have perked up? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, well, I kind of <laughs> perked up when when you know I saw saw those boobies perk. There was <laughs> there was a <laughs> lot of boobs in this movie. <laughs> Oh, one one funny part that I wanted to mention is uh, towards the beginning when um, you know they're they're like uh, oh let's not fight anymore and she goes upstairs yeah. to go change and puts on her her like gown or whatever and and he's all downstairs for uh, they're they're like chilling downstairs or like they had a mattress downstairs or something yeah um and, and then he's all setting up the mirror like right yeah. there I'm like. <laughs> oh, this guy's a freak, man. Uh, <laughs> Arnold's like, I have a, all kinds of 90 degree mirrors. This guy's an amateur. Getting getting the right lighting by putting the the red the red blouse on top Ooh. of the lamp to give it a red tint. You know? We've kind of, all been there. He's trying to give it that, that red light special. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Roxanne. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Then uh, to me, it just kind of really slowly went went downhill. Uh, after that, I mean, it was cool with the with the Adams family guy, Mister Suave, rolling in, and uh, um, you know that that whole part where where they start sort of start to um, get together, and uh, it, it, it was just kind of like was that time, your favorite part, or what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, probably the part that I went to detail with the mirror and all that. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> In the first 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it, that tells you a little bit about my uh, attention span. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but by, the, by the time the movie ended, I kind of felt like, all right, whew, made it. All right. And um, I just didn't really, I don't know. I didn't, um, it was hard for me to pay attention. And so, um, my letter, my Z rating to letterbox rating, I'd say uh, a one and a half Ooh. out of five stars. Okay, um, but it's, nice. it's, it's just me. I, 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 I it just was not my cup of tea. Um, but, but I do, I did really enjoy. I, I thought it was pretty cool of how they shot the movie, where like, you know, there were one scene and then like it dims, and then the background. I don't know what you call that in the cinematography world, but um, how how it. The, the, the transition yeah. Yeah, yeah that shit you know <laughs> <laughs> Dead shit. it's called a, yeah. a cross dissolve <laughs> that, that was on the tip of my tongue cross what else is on the tip of your tongue arnold <laughs> some <Excuse> acid <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so yeah that's 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 my rating uh you can find me at arnie Colego uh, on instagram um and my link tree is there. You can find everything that, that I'm on. Uh, winter is coming, Arnold. So it's time for you to smoke some meats, you know? Oh, coming. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, of all the things I said, that's the one thing he heard. Um, well, thank you, Arnold, for that review. Hey, uh, don't feel bad. Your your thoughts, your feelings are your feelings alone. So it's all gravy, my friend. Uh, Randy, let's, let's go to you. <laughs> Let's go to you next. Um, final thoughts on this film? Uh, what do you rate it, and where can the good people find you? Wow. Well, I uh, I bought the movie on iTunes. I considered, you know, for a, for nice. a dollar more, I was like, okay, then I can watch this again. Um, 
I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think I was wrong for not watching it, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago when I first heard about it. But I'm glad I finally got around to watching it because I think it does sort of tick a box. Um, that's, it's a film that's not like a lot of other movies. And I think that to me, when you come across a movie that is so unique and does what it does, um, you know, that no, and it's not trying to be another movie. You know, I think those things are always good to have in your back pocket, you know, to, it's like, Oh yeah, there's a film that did that. That's that There's images in there um, that I hadn't seen before. And so I thought that was really interesting. And I feel, I feel the sense of value. There was a value added. It was a positive thing. I like, I hate when you, you watch a movie and I've heard about it and you take the time. You're like, this is, this is BS. This is, I've seen this movie. It doesn't, you know, it's, there's nothing new. It's not adding anything new to the language of cinema or to whatever my understanding of what films can be. It's just like, Oh, this is boring. It's a rehash. I always feel like I just wasted two hours. So I feel good that it, that it's this film said something and did something and, um, and again, you know, for somebody like Coppola, you know what I mean? If you can, if you can tick off, you know, especially for people who are looking to find, you know, new films, like, you know, it's sometimes you can just go down a director's list and you'll just get, you know, a good director, you like a few of their films. You can just go down the whole, just, you know, filmography and see everything. So I feel better now knowing more about Coppola as a filmmaker. Um, so yeah, I feel like it was good. I appreciate you guys asking me. I probably wouldn't have watched it if you guys hadn't asked. Um, but it felt like one of those things I was like, I bet in a couple of years, somebody's going to write something really cool or, or, you know, Pete Davidson's son is going to like, you know, remake this <laughs> film. Everyone's going to think, you know, he's a genius for doing this. Yeah. Kind of stuff. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it was cool. And then, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Everything is Randy S Randall, Randy's Randall. And, um, and, uh, my band is called no age and uh, you can find us on Instagram, no age LA. Uh, I got a solo record out there. It's called uh, Soundfield 2020. It's available on all the streaming platforms and uh, Bandcamp. You can buy it from me direct. I'll throw in some extra goodies. Anything you buy from no age on Bandcamp or from, from my Randy Randall Bandcamp, I, um, pack it and sell it all here out of the garage. So, uh, nice. Yeah, check it out if you like. If you're into weird punk noise music or ambient kind of trip out, tripped out music, that's you know my solo stuff is pretty ambient and tripped out. Soundtrack to your own brain, and uh, the band No Age has a new record called People Helping People that's out on Drag City Records right now. It's available all the streaming, all the downloads, all the places you get music. Um, check us out, No Age. You're also heading out on the road as well, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. We leave October 11th. We hit the Midwest. We'll be in uh, Madison, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Chicago, Detroit, New York, uh, Boston, Philadelphia, D.C. And then we do the West Coast uh, beginning of, of November. So yeah, I, just we'll got you, I, got, I just got tickets for your San Diego show. So I'll see oh, you sweet, man. Yeah, that'll be great. And really Thanks. quick, I'm just curious, um, as someone who's not a, a big into like a big music head or whatever. What, what what bands or artists would you sort of compare your your style of music to? I think we're somewhere between you know Black Flag and My Bloody Valentine or the Ramones. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, cool. meets, you know, yeah, some yeah, we're kind of it's it's punk, it's noisy punk music with some kind of tripped out parts in the middle of it. So that's kind of the general vibe. I I really like the new album, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. It's really really good. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're we're on a trajectory of kind of carving our own path so i can appreciate you know films like this or filmmakers taking a chance because i feel like definitely as a band we're in a place you know with our age and, and just our career what being what it is it's like we we have no reason not to take as many chances and try different things at this point you know in our life like let's just have have fun and challenge ourselves and make something that we think is really interesting and you mm -hmm. know not really Amen. worry about 
shooting for the um, for the pop stars. That's great. I want I want to definitely uh, check you out on the on, on Spotify and stuff. Really quick, what's your what's your star rating on this movie? By the way. Oh yeah, so star, out of what, how many? Five out of stars? five. Yeah, we usually out do out of five. five. Ooh, I would put it. it it's hard across the board. You know, I think visually, it's it's uh, you know, it's a four or five. Overall storytelling, acting, everything all to, you know, mixing it all together, it's it's probably you know somewhere in that two and a half to three. It just it kind of I don't think it's something I would come back to and watch all the time. No, I definitely. It, what it does well, it does really well, and everything else it kind of kind of sacrifices to do definitely. to make it such a beautiful thing to see. So I mean, it's like I could almost see this turn all the sound off and just have it on you know at a club or something or behind you know something else <laughs> yeah yes yeah. itself is or somebody could sample it or you know cut up stuff and take out some some of those shots and just make you know they belong on a museum wall like i could see those in like a modern art gallery absolutely yeah. all right well thank you for that randy J- justin how about you my friend this is going to be my little rating actually i'm, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things to be quick i guess absolutely. um so I, I really enjoyed the set design, as I said earlier. Um, everything with the transitions were beautiful. Um, the set pieces were beautiful. The time frame, everything. I think everything was done extremely well. Uh, I went into this movie cold. Uh, I think the only thing that I really knew about it was uh, Francis uh, Coppola was directing the movie. So it kind of gave me an idea of what I was getting into, but I kind of wanted to do all my research about it later just because it's something that I've never even heard of. It's never been talked about around me at all. Um, and uh, I even asked my mom, I was like, have you, even, have you heard this movie? She's like, Nope, I've never heard that movie before. I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. <laughs> so uh, I went into it cold and I thought it was a great movie. Um, but I just wanted to point out uh, a couple of things. Um, I don't know, uh, things that I thought were uh, pretty hilarious, um, little goofs here and there. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but at like 28 minutes, uh, around the 28-minute mark, there were, for I think a good solid minute, maybe a little bit longer, there was the largest dangly hair in front of the camera that was <laughs> yes. wiggling around and everything. Really? I was like, what the, I was like, I what the heck that. It was there for like the longest time. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's really distracting. But it, it was like <laughs> I a blurry hair. Wow. <laughs> I thought that I was my TV. I thought that was my <laughs> no, TV or something. <laughs> I, did, I did not <laughs> notice that at all. For <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. the most, I don't know. It was like bottom center screen, just like up curly. Yeah. Like right into the middle of the scene. I, I thought that I'm gonna have to go back hilarious. and look for. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna do that right now while you guys yeah. are talking. Yeah, <laughs> look at look at it around the 28 minute mark. Um, was it? Uh, I also liked that. I don't. I don't know if it was an intentional thing because I know the Neon Museum hasn't been around for a very long time in Vegas. I actually got to go check it out. Um, like uh, I think last year or something like that, I took uh, my girlfriend to go to the Neon Museum for her birthday, and that place was pretty dope. Uh, the way that the junkyard Taj Mahal thing, whatever they were calling it, uh, Mo's place, <laughs> um, uh, I liked how it kind of resembled like a neon museum type of thing, but it was like a neon junkyard. I thought that was a really cool setup scene, um, especially with um, the transition from night and then them waking up in the morning where the uh, car cover automatically like pulls back. I thought that was a really impressive, beautiful scene. Um, 
uh was it <laughs> i think another thing is um uh like the little um one shots of um the kind of like the i got you kind of thing like when they're trying to um pronounce javier's uh oh he's I like, like javier <laughs> like, yeah. that's my dad's <laughs> name so that immediately made me laugh because that's my dad <laughs> i thought that was hilarious and um or the moment where uh was it uh what's his name ray or um raul julia he uh his boss comes over at least i think it was his boss because he was he was a server there at the restaurant but then like he sits at the table and then everybody's kind of like oh okay he's not a server i thought that was a weird scene but i thought what was really funny and he's like uh the guy his boss or whatever he's like um He's like, your service is terrible to his boss. And then his boss goes, whose fault is that? <laughs> it's like, I thought that, that was scene, a, yeah. um, <laughs> or the scene where, um, uh, where what's her name? Um, she is um, asking, uh, was it uh, where Franny was asking um, Ray about uh, if, if he could tango. <laughs> I was like, man, that a few years from now, that guy's a tango god in Adam's family. Um, <laughs> for real, for real. Or uh, the scene where uh, where uh, Franny and Ray were in the elevator, and she, he was like trying, to, he was stopping the elevator and everything. <laughs> I like how the elevator closes, and they're both separate. And then she turns around, and then the elevator opens back up, and nobody's there. I was like, that's the fastest interdimensional elevator I've ever seen. <laughs> um and uh was it uh or i think some of the more excessive shots where i know it's a stylized movie but it was kind of ridiculous of the scene of the airport where um hank is like turning around looking up at the sky and there's this huge giant airplane flying yeah. directly <laughs> over the parking lot of this airport i was, I like, was more impressed by the, how yeah. small the parking lot of a major airport is it was like to be fair though like in san diego and downtown san diego especially like those planes fly so close to the buildings it's kind of scary so i could see how that could actually be a real thing yeah yeah justin i'm trying to find that hair i'm not i'm not seeing it uh in a 28 minute mark it goes from her to him at the junkyard and then back to her, and I don't see a hair anywhere. Maybe what? it's like slightly before the twenty. I know because I, when I wrote the what note, what part down, of the screen like, oh. was? Now I'm curious. What part of the screen was it on? It was directly, like slightly off center. Do you remember what was happening bottom. in the scene at the time? Um, I think orange. it was like it was like panning. It was like a, it, it was panning uh, with Franny, I believe, or it was a scene with Franny um but yeah it's like it's uh, unless it's like the version that that i i got um that i watched i was like there's just this large blurry hair in the middle of the scene i definitely got it on mine i I remember it was like oh you did orange orange color background yeah it was an orange color scene um yeah yeah, slightly yeah that's something reflecting on the lens or something because uh, which which platform did you guys watch it on um i rented it on youtube i I got mine from Amazon. amazon hmm Release yeah, the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Director's cut. Extra scissors. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, and also, um, so there's also like uh, a hat that's on the side table that Hank picks up that says Franny on it. But I also noticed that Franny in the credits is spelled differently too. So the, like Franny is on the hat, 
and then Franny is spelled so Franny on the head is F R A N N Y, and then another uh, in the credits um, it's spelled another way F um, R A N N I E, uh, at least in in my version, it, like a little inconsistencies of that. But that's interesting. Um, anyway, besides all that, um, I'll get into my rating. Uh, I like this movie a lot. Um, I enjoyed it uh, unexpectedly. Enjoyed it, I guess. Um, at the beginning, I was. Um, I think I was pulled in straight from the credits um, and seeing all the flashy lights and transitions and things like that. I thought that was really well done. Whoever, um, I forget what his name was. I had him pulled up, but I, I don't know uh, what his name is. But the, the guy that did the special effects uh, and the set designs or the people, uh, I thought they did a mastercraft job at it. I thought that was really well done. Um, unfortunately, I just didn't like the acting from any of the actors unfortunately i know a lot of these people are pretty high profile but i feel like um they all rolled out of bed one day and was like oh okay well we're gonna film this movie today kind of deal at least that's how i felt um i don't think anybody really brought their utmost a game to the role but they did i feel like they did owned their role although it wasn't really well done the the role was they they owned it like they were the character i there wasn't a moment i didn't believe it i just felt like they were just a little tiresome uh at certain points um overall uh would i watch it again probably not but i'm gonna give it a pretty decent rating of uh four out of five stars on letterboxd um i feel like this movie is pretty much what cool world could have been if it was financed better in my opinion. So four out of five stars. Uh, you can find me on Instagram shibs, the zombie. And I also have a link in there where you can follow me on everything else. And that's my opinion. Um, thank you for that. Just, <laughs> I, I, I agree with a lot of your points and um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. Uh, Alex, uh, what are your final thoughts? Uh, I, I actually really, really enjoyed this film. I like, like Justin, I went into it blind then other than maybe quickly watching the trailer. I mean, and even then it, it, it is only hinted at like, Oh, Hey, if you like the Godfather, if you like Francis Ford Coppola, you know, this is, this is the, his next big film that he's putting out. And like, um, I, I think in the, uh, the letterbox bio or synopsis, it says like, if, uh, if this is a big love story and it's done in the Francis Ford Coppola way and only way he could do it. And I thought, I felt like, Oh, that's a really kind of like way to think of it. And to be honest, um, this movie, uh, I, I liked the Godfather. Like I said, it's not my favorite, like gangster movie. I'm a, I'm more of a good fellas guy than I am a Godfather guy. Um, but this made me a fan of Ford, Francis Ford Coppola to be, completely honest um i don't know it was just i i love a good love story um it was done really really um like like i i i see where justin you're coming from when it comes to the acting but i kind of feel like they were going over the top in the sense of like or like they were acting that way and sort of like they uh they're trying to be a Broadway actors. And so like when, you, you know, when it comes to theater and stage, they kind of like um, act for the back of the room, you know? And so 
um, that's kind of why I feel like where, where, where you're coming from, you're, you're completely on point when it comes to feels weird, you know? And I think that's why it feels kind of weird. Their acting feels weird. Um, as far as like the, I, for me, I think like it made me realize how much of a, a genius Francis Ford Coppola is. Um, the subtleties in it is what I, what I found very interesting. There's like, uh, there's a, there's a scene where, uh, you know, when Hank is running, driving to the, uh, the motel where that they're, they're at, at or Ray lives at, and he's walking up the stairs and there's a girl that walks out of the laundry room who looks a lot like Franny and you see his head turn. Cause he's, you know, he's frantically looking for Franny. Right. And he's like, looks at her like with like a you know is that her and then like he he realizes it, it isn't her and goes searching for her and realizes okay this is the room knocks on her but you know the, i think that subtle sort of like like desperation is is told so well and then there's also that like sort of like a a subtle like uh, foreshadowing thing where you know after when uh, mo picks up um lila and and hank and they drive they start driving to the house to try, try to find Fanny. Uh, they park the car across from where, wherever there is, and there's a, they, behind um, Lila. There's a sign that says "Dead End," and I was like, "That's kind of a cool, like, subtle hinting that like Lila is like there's no there's nothing with that. If you try if you try to chase that." Um, I don't know. And it, it made me be just me picking up like subtle, like things that in creating these uh, narratives in my own head, you know? Um, but this, uh, it, it, to me, it kind of felt like, Oh man, that's, that's pretty smart, you know? And then, you know, there was also the scene that where that, that I thought was really cool and it kind of like showed how kind of like, how Ray wasn't a good guy and he was just kind of like, like laying it on thick to make it seem like he's like this amazing guy. And then you realize he's in a, like he lives in a motel, right? A motel, you know? right? Oh my and, God. And I he's like, <laughs> exactly. And like, but he's like, so you have this like really like sweeping, like um, moment where it's all in, like they're dancing and singing. And then, and all of a sudden you see like, it goes into this like beautiful like idea of that them them in Bora Bora they're all kissing they start making out and all of a sudden it cuts to them making out in an elevator and these uh, these this elderly couple is watching them and it's like it breaks that whole like um like that uh what do you call it the uh, um um the fantasy you know it it breaks the fantasy and brings it back to reality and like it kind of makes you realize that this guy is just trying to, he's definitely trying to lay it on thick just so he could like get with her. Right. Maybe he has some like truth to him. Like the fact that he has money and was able to, they were able to buy tickets to go to Bora Bora or wherever. But at the same time, it's like, guy lives in a freaking motel. <laughs> you kind of like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know too many, uh, like people who are like, like try to be uh, these players that are living in motels, you know, can I point like... out that Hank has a full on two story house. Exactly. A beautiful two story house. And it had like a, a balcony that right outside over... of like Vegas. Like not, right? you can tell it's like not too far out. He has a nice suburban home. I'm like, damn dude, she, 
she started lusting after this Motel Six guy. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you know, like for me, like I I feel like um, I get where it's all like people are giving uh, Francis Ford Coppola shit. You know, he's he's trying to do something that he's not uh, familiar with, and as as a uh, as an artist you you want to try new things you don't want to come like if you really want to progress and in your with your uh your your art you have to continuously evolve and like try new things with it um and i give him so much credit because for me like i wouldn't have ever really seen the gene the true genius of francis ford coppola coppola it had i not watched this movie so uh, for me, I agree with Justin. Four four out of five stars. Um, I think it's a, a, a wonderful film. Um, I love the story. Uh, and that's my uh, rating for that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram under Daily Dares. And on there, you can find my link tree. And you can see all the things that I, I'm involved in. Uh, we uh, We are planning on... I just, I, we just started planning for San Diego Comic Fest. So if you guys are in, uh, interested in uh, checking it out, we are going to have the, the dates soon. Um, or if you live in the San Diego area, or if you want to drive out from wherever you are and help us out, we are always looking for volunteers. And we have a volunteer meeting every month. So I'm going to drive through the meeting. Just nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, you're gonna you're gonna drive through the meeting the way uh, Hank drives into the wall in that scene at the hotel <laughs> over right. or over that guy's briefcase when they're trying to unload in the parking lot. Uh, oh, it's yeah. those little moments that make it for me. So, um, <laughs> thank you, Alex, for that. Uh, definitely check us out if you're, uh, you know, you'll find us at the at the nearest comic book related event near you. You know, uh, and never seen a podcast, and of course, never seen a podcast dot com. Uh, quick thoughts, final thoughts for me. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, I don't know how much um, rewatch value it has for me personally. I, I feel like I, I'm glad that I saw it the one time, like how, how Uncut Gems was a great movie, but I don't think I could watch that movie again. Um, this movie definitely feels like um, uh, kind of like an evergreen movie. Like even though it was made in 82, you know, you, you could watch this in any era and it's like it, it, it still works because it's very much this whimsical music centric sort of stage play um as you guys said so uh so in that sense you know i i thoroughly enjoyed it i thoroughly enjoyed the production design you know yeah the acting is a little over the top in a lot of places but that that's what they were going for you know what i mean um the hindsight is always 2020 you know like we watched on this show for this show we watched hudson hawk which i thought it was hilarious but oh. when it came out it, it got a lot of scathing reviews and it's like did people not realize what they were going for? You know, like this, this is that sort of thing where it's like they were going for this, this specific type of story, you know, like don't knock it because it's not the Godfather. It's not supposed to be the Godfather. It's supposed to be this, you know? So uh, with that said, um, uh, I will give this a strong uh, three and a half stars out of five on, on letterbox. And of course, you can find me on Letterboxd and across all social medias uh, at Boots Too Big. I'm starting to do more content for our show, uh, for our Instagram and and, and TikTok as, as well. 
I'm having a lot of fun with that. So, so definitely check out our reviews. Arnold's doing reviews. Alex is doing, we're all doing, we're all doing more stuff now, guys. So mine coming soon. Mine coming soon. <laughs> um, at never seen a podcast, never seen a podcast.com. Have a movie idea, have something you want to say, something you want to send us content or, or even if it's mean or good comments, we've gonna, we'll, we'll take it all baby. Just send it to us at never seen a podcast, never seen a podcast.com. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Randy, thank you so much again. I'm going to definitely check out your, your music. Is there any is there any uh, any last things you want to say, Randy, before we sign off here? Oh, man, yeah. I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I really, when Alex first uh, hit me up about this, I was like, oh, man, this is my lane. This is my channel. I'm into this. Nice. <laughs> I learned so I a lot. I learned a lot. So thank you. I, you 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 clearly know your, your film stuff. Uh, right? I learned some things tonight. No, seriously. Oh, so. Yeah. Well, no, I... I, I I appreciate you guys letting me yabber on. Like I said, you know, my wife's happy that I'm not talking to her about this movie. Right <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, anybody that's, that's a fan of the band or, or that, you know, if you hear this and you first discover no age, you know, um, hit me up online. Let me know where, you know, where you heard, where you heard me, you know, how you came across all this stuff. And, um, and I want more recommendations, you know, find me online and tell me some more movies I need to watch. Cause that's the, the funnest part of being a nerd, you know, stuff is like, there's always stuff you don't know. You know what I mean? The best it's, I hate to, I don't ever want to be the guy that knows everything. I love being the person who's still curious and still finding out more stuff. So I would love to hear more, more films that you guys think I should watch or, you know, anybody out there find me or come up to, come up to a show better yet, buy a ticket to see us live and then come up and talk to me at the merch table and tell me which movies I should be watching. Perfect. We'll do. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we did it. Another one in the can. Any, any final thoughts for anybody else before we go? Keep cool, boy. Stay cool, boy. I'll have a Coke. <laughs> <laughs>